Ah, sweet land of liberty. Our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinach. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring, one of the very important institutions in our nation that addresses religious freedom issues globally is the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom. We're getting a new director, and um, I'm very pleased to welcome my friend Luanne Sabatier, Director of Communications of an uh, organization called 21 Wilberforce, a religious freedom organization working on global issues. Uh, welcome back to Freedom's Ring, Luanne. Thank you. Let's start the conversation. Tell our listeners about the U.S. Commission and its role in terms of addressing uh, global issues on, you know, religious persecution and intolerance, etc. Well, let, I will. Let me reframe this pivot just slightly. The U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom is mandated um, by Congress to work with Congress. Um, in the Frank Wolf International Religious Freedom Act. This position that we're talking about today actually is over that. So the position that um, Governor Brownback has just been confirmed with uh, Ambassador at Large is actually a State Department position. So the Commission on Religious Freedom answers to Congress. This is an ambassador position that answers to the Secretary of State. Um, over all international religious freedom issues and policies globally. Got it. My bad. Okay, I appreciate the. Uh, no, actually, it's a little it's uh, it's a little confusing even for those of us who work in it day to day. So um, you know, it's just there are two entities that work side by side. At USERF, the commission, as we kind of call it, USERF. It answers to Congress, but walks beside and really uh, the ultimate, uh, if I can say, authority will be uh, Ambassador Brownback so, uh, for U.S. policy. And, you know, kind of a refresher on separation of powers and, uh, you know, division of responsibilities in our federal government between Congress and the executive branch. But, you know, it's one thing to have a commission that is responsive to Congress. Um, having a an ambassador position as part of the Department of State, I think, is a very critical place for religious freedom to exist in, you know, in the American government and in the sort of chain of command of of power in our system. Well, you're you're absolutely right, and let me add a little history to that. And by the way, Alan, I'm only three years into this, so I would still, for a lot of the movement people, which I'll talk about in a minute, 20 years, I'm a newbie, if you will. But this all goes back. It That was authorized back in 1998. There were many entities and Christian organizations, but the real framer and shaper and and what have you, author of this, architect, if you would, is Congressman Frank Wolf, who I have the um, wonderful privilege of working with um, daily at the Wilberforce, um, uh, 21 Wilberforce. But when he was in Congress, he, he served 34 years, but when he was in Congress, Alan, he had this heart for this and saw, to your point, there were no teeth in it. He couldn't get the international religious freedom issues 
tied to foreign policy, of which they're critical and they were fundamental. It's a human right. And by the way, um, recognized by the UN. So after many, many months, and I just can't tell you how many churches and, and people of faith were involved behind this, it was a movement. The first International Religious Freedom Act was signed into law, and that created the ambassador within the State Department. So what had happened, and I'll fast forward, over 20 years, it's 20 years old this year. So really, in the sense of all the history and ambassadors and how we've grown up as a nation, recognizing, even though our founding fathers and framers really saw it as a fundamental principle, it got lost throughout a lot of the way. So only 20 years ago did it become institutionalized. What happened last year, Alan, is Congress came back and said, Let's show our commitment. Let's update that legislation. And as they did, it was a wonderful honor. They changed the name to the Frank Wolf International Religious Freedom Bill, and they gave this ambassador even a little more teeth, a little more budget discretion to go out and sit at the foreign policy table. So I hope that that's in the snapshot kind of a history of how we got here and um, how this continues to play a more important role uh, to the U.S. government and to governments around the world. Well, and I think um, human rights and religious freedom are not necessarily the leading issue for the United States in how we address countries. I think economic and security issues both often trump uh, these human rights and religious freedom issues. We've certainly seen some of that lately. So having someone with the experience and gravitas of a Sam Brown back in that position, I think can only help to elevate the discussion. Uh, tell us a little bit about Senator Brownback's experience and commitment in this area, why, you know, why he was chosen. Well, I think I will, and I thank you for that lead-in. I think you're right, and I think he, he is a brilliant choice for this point in time. Um, he has had a long commitment to advocating for landmark policy reforms, both domestic and abroad, um, as well as for prisoners of conscience wrongly incarcerated for his faith. So, so let me take you back. Back in the in 2000, he was central to the movement to combat human trafficking, and he enacted the Trafficking Victims Protection, which is a human right. Um, he was actively involved during the Darfur crisis. His travels to that region compelled him. He pushed. He was the one pushing for the genocide declaration in Darfur in 2004, and that was as um, a, a senator. He traveled to um, introduce numerous pieces of legislation, including on North Korea, on Sudan, where he called on the Sudanese government to end slavery and manufactured famine. He also, as a senator, chaired the Senate Foreign Relations Subcommittee on North, Near Eastern and South African Affairs. And guess what? He co-chaired the U.S. Helsinki Commission. So he's long been... Um, um, a leader who not only understands the intricacies of Capitol Hill, but he has demonstrated a passion uh, for this mission of the office that he's just um, uh, accepted as ambassador for uh, international religious freedom. What are the main challenges that you see looming in terms of international religious freedom issues that he's going to need to to direct his attention to? Well, um, let's begin with direct us attention to uh, uh, where where do you go? 
Um, in 20 years, we would like to think since this came on the radar of even art, trying to take our influence and leadership globally, we'd like to hope that international religious freedom issues, meaning the persecution of people of faith, the imprisonments, the tortures, the martyring, the genocides, we'd like to hope that it has declined, but the opposite has happened. It's increased. We've never seen more persecution in more countries at any point in time. Um, so to your point, um, I think it's simultaneous, and I'm not sure, I'm not certainly the one, nor do I think Wilberforce is in a position to try to call out what the priorities are, but let me just say simultaneously, as you follow the news, uh, you look at, um, obviously, the Middle East, which is critical, and yes, the U.S. has stepped up and now getting aid direct on the ground, even through a lot of Christian and faith-based organizations. There still has been a genocide that has happened, and, and we have drained that area, so the rebuilding, that's just huge huge amount of work in the Middle East. I'm talking about Iraq, I'm talking about Syria, obviously. We have North Korea. While we look at the nuclear capabilities and the instability of that leader and that um, uh, dictator, they are the number one offender in the world, North Korea is, for, for human rights and persecution of people of faith. And you might say, how can they be of faith? The underground church is alive there. We look at China. Um, you move to Africa. The terrorist organizations have now moved out of, uh, not so much, they've changed how they operate and persecute and trying to go for the caliphate in the Middle East. They've moved to the northern horn of Africa. So we are looking at whether it's Niger, Chad, Nigeria. You have so many issues going there. Let's look at Eritrea, Ethiopia, Pakistan. You know, it sounds like it's depressing. Um, it is. But we serve an awesome God, and, and we have a big faith, and um, even though I don't think that we ever will eradicate it, we certainly can look to bring a justice and a Christian compassion to that. So let me say this, though. One of the things, besides when you have all this multitude of things happening simultaneously around the world, and I encourage people to look at the Open Doors a world watch list, which is opendoors.org, just released their annual What's Happening in All These Countries. Easy to read and you can follow it. One of the things, Alan, I believe is because this ambassador now has a seat directly with more influence, supposedly it's legislated, within the State Department, we're hopeful that the ambassador will be sitting down so when they're talking about foreign policy, and to your point, the economic sanctions, the military options, that they that we will have more opportunity through Ambassador Brownback and the new expanded responsibilities to be part of those discussions. So I would think where the U.S. goes in terms of foreign policy that the human rights and religious freedom discussions will go with it, if that would make sense. Well, I, I certainly hope so. And, you know, somebody like Senator Brownback with his long in the Senate and the respect that he has in the Senate, I would think would be well positioned to, you know, by his personal qualities, be uh, effective and influential both within Congress and within the administration. Look, it doesn't matter who's in the White House. There have always been concerns that religious freedom and human rights, you know, get short shrift, take a back seat, whether it's a Republican or a Democrat in the White House. Um, there's always so much more that we wish in dialogue, for example, with China, uh, right. you know, in, in raising human rights concerns. And, um, you know, and, and you listed a, a litany of other countries as well, where there's so much that just boggles the mind. And, 
And I guess I, you know, I have to put this in some perspective, Luann, because so many American Christians complain about how we have it over here. And yeah, I think um, American Christians need to, to check out, like you said, the Open Doors World Watch List. Uh, take a good hard look at what believers face overseas and thank God every day for how much freedom you enjoy here. I agree. And, and I think um, even to build on that, they are connected, domestic and international, in that in all of our travels, and, and I'm speaking to to knowing who the audience is that, that is listening in, when you ask anyone in any country, and it's not just my travels or those of my Wilberforce colleagues, but in any humanitarian or advocacy role for international religious freedom, when you say, ask them usually, what can we do for you? They want to know that the West cares, and, and first and foremost, they ask that the West will pray for them. And so one of the things about praying for that and getting engaged is doing it with some intentionality. So even though we are sometimes in our cocoon, um, and it's, I would put sometimes the onus on those who work in international religious freedom. I don't say that to convict uh, people of faith or the pastors or faith leaders. I think a lot of times um, we have not done a good job, those of us who work in it, bridging between what's happening, because it changes daily, and because it's so massive, how do we bridge those messages and opportunities to get engaged, to pray intentionally out to the church and people of faith? And Luann, I, I need, to, to, I need you. to cut you off because we're out of time. Uh, we've been okay. having a wonderful conversation with Luann Sabatier, Director of Communications for 21 Wilberforce about the appointment of Senator Sam Brownback as the U.S. Ambassador for International Religious Freedom. Thanks for being with us on Freedom's Ring, Luann. Thank you. And as always, we encourage our listeners here on Freedom's Ring, be informed, get involved. You can check us out on Facebook. Check out our Facebook page, my personal page, Alan Reinach. We're launching a Matters of Conscience Facebook and social media effort. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Reinach. Until next week, let freedom ring.